This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets are away at Arsenal to once again try and get a very stop-start season off the ground. This is the None and Ever podcast. And welcome to the No and Never podcast. Listeners, after a very emotional and quite haphazard analysis show a couple of weeks ago, I'm back. To steady the ship, Wood has gone, Clarissa playing football, we've regained some control and some excitement, so levels have been dampened at known and ever towers, and we are back to record an analysis show, and we are of course looking at a fantastic point away on the road for the Clarets at Arsenal. I am delighted to be joined by my two favourite panellists, Rich Steele and Tom Whitaker. starting with my absolute favourite, Rich, hi. Tell you what, George won't be happy with that, will he? <laughs> George and Adam and Robbie. I know I can't win. I can't win with you lot. So, so to my to my actual real favourite, the one that everybody knows is my favourite. Tom, how are you? Hi, oh, Natalie. Very well, thanks. I'm glad to see that Newcastle haven't met your release clause yet. Nope, that's true. I am not deflecting to no time side podcast. You can they can do one. Um, although I did see an absolutely hilarious tweet, and forgive me, I should have screenshot it so I could give some some credit. But somebody on our Twitter Clarets feed earlier on today. Uh, was reacting to some general really great pairs for for Connor Roberts at the, uh, the weekend, and it basically said like, "So when are we expecting a bid to come in from Newcastle for him?" Which was which was quite amusing. Um, so listeners, we have got quite a bit to talk about this week. We're going to analyse that. Uh, well, just get some reaction really to that point away at the Emirates uh, of what is many fans hailing as a return of the strong jaw, which was very pleasing to see um, we're going to have a look um, at what's going to happen next which is of course the third time is a charm rearranged fixture for Watford and the implications of them carrying on their managerial merry-go-round earlier on today and then finally we're going to look um, a little bit concerned at the closing stages of the January transfer window time is running out bodies are not through the door rumours are aplenty and we are also hit with some headlines that maybe Alan Pace and ALK don't quite have the financial clout to be able to bring us what we need. So, phew, where do we start? Well, I'm going to start right at Mr. Tom Whitaker, 
who did the Hero of Hero trip and went down to the Emirates at the weekend. So why don't you kick us off, uh, Tom, with your immediate reaction to that point at the Emirates? Yeah, I think everyone who's there, uh, who was at the ground, sort of felt, you know, the, the longer the game went on, the more like you felt we were going to get something. The first half, I don't think we were, we were under too much pressure. A couple of moments, Saka cut in from uh, the right just before half time, but it kept them fairly quiet. There was a period when they started to get on top in the middle of the second half. Um, that save from Pope when he gets down low to his right to keep that Smith throw. Unbelievable save that. I don't, how we saw that so late and to get enough around to get it around the post as well. That was tremendous. And then obviously the lack is at the missed open goal. Um, that was a big let off. But apart from that little spell in the middle of the second half, I think they, they ran out of steam. They ran out of ideas, Arsenal. And uh, and yeah, we defended really well. The real guard action was solid. Don't think there was anyone who had a bad game. The back four were back to the best and could have even nicked it at the end with a them couple mm. of counter attacks. So if we look at it just in isolation of the game, um, yeah, a really a really good performance and a, a well earned point. At what is still, even though they're not what they were, it's still a difficult place to go, and it's not somewhere we've got many points in in recent history. So yeah, very very pleasing uh, performance and result, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to hear you talk about Nick Pope. Obviously, he he put in a fantastic performance. And considering that there's been some question marks of his early form this season, particularly we expect coming back from that long injury and, and some concerns about making sure he's, he's up to sharpness, he ended up making the Premier League's team of the week. And um, Rich, I think one of the common themes to come out of, of that weekend's game, starting with Nick Pope, but the whole of the defence, is the recognition that defending is as much of an art form in football as attacking is. And it gets overlooked so many times, but Burnley, when they're on it, are one of the absolute leaders of the defensive masterclass. Yeah, I just agree with what Tom said. They had about 15 minutes where they really put us under intense pressure, but, you know, we managed to get through it, which you've got to do in the Premier League. That save from Pope from Smith Rowe was fantastic. Yeah. Because it comes from, like, um, a different type of, of corner too, where they laid it back on the floor. Yeah, terrific saver. I think uh, Danny Higginbottom, uh, the well-known Stoke uh, Scottish. <laughs> I think Danny Higginbottom, if I'm right, played what one cap for uh, Gibraltar. I might be wrong there. Really? Yeah, that's yeah, that's knowledge. Tom's nodding. <laughs> um, so yeah, and he said like you know there's so much emphasis on a, on a, on the attacking play, especially since Guardiola and Klopp have come on the league and pressing and, and different things like that. But we defended our box fantastically well. I know I've been on this podcast and I've said before how I think at times we've been pressing too high and, and we've been caught up the pitch. That was that was back to what Burnley do best. We defended yeah. our box excellently with, you know, we looked in a real compact shape. It helps in some ways when because we like we, we, we almost allow teams to get crosses into the box and we play quite compact. But it did help that Arsenal's not, not got that real target, man. Um, you know, say if that's against possibly helps us when we played Chelsea. Say if they had a Lukaku, it might have been a different story. But it was just a really good defensive display. Vidra and Jay, you know, they were feeding off scraps, but you know, considering they've both been struggling with injuries and illness, they 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 worked really hard as, as well. I thought Connor Roberts was an absolute was so re- refreshing um in the back four. Martinelli's been on, on absolute fire for Arsenal recently. And you know, Lawton's played well for us this season, but he does like a little, a little bit of pace. And there was two or three occasions where I think Martinelli would have got past Lawson and he didn't get past Roberts. And it just helps your back four and just mm. get back set when your full back holds them up. 
Peter struggled initially with Saka, I thought, first half, but then he really came to grips and he was really quiet. Saka, second half. And you know what? There has been a bit of doom and gloom recently. Obviously, the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago was a, was a, was a little bit mental. And it just, gives you a, yeah, <laughs> it just gives you a bit of hope, doesn't it, now going into the rest of the season that the fight's still... Uh, I've, I've questioned it a lot. And I think that shows that performance... It, that performance shows that players haven't, in my opinion still, haven't been giving it absolutely everything in enough games this season. And they'd absolutely give everything. Everyone was superb in that game for me. I can't fault anybody at all. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, Ben Mee's tweet today, I don't know how many people have seen it. Um, he kind of alluded to that as well. Yeah, he said, we've got the stomach for it. But again, that makes me kind of feel that, that maybe that was lacking a bit in the last few games, like the start of this season. They've got it there. Um, I've just realised, I keep doing this. I called him Connor Richards again, didn't I? Connor Roberts. Every single time we talk about him, he, he needs to not be in this squad because otherwise he will forever be known as Connor Richards. As soon as you said Connor Roberts, I was like, I definitely didn't say Connor Roberts. Uh, poor lad. Um, one player who has been um, criticised quite a lot recently, Tom, um, particularly fans who are feeling stung a little bit from Chris Wood deflecting and um, it, obviously Tarkey wanting a move away at the end of the season. Um, he's come a bit of a scapegoat of, of recent times, quite unfairly, in my opinion. Um, you know, just because he makes a couple of mistakes because he's slightly out of form or the, the team's not playing very well, suddenly he we need to sell him because he's you know, his, his, his head's gone and he doesn't want to be here. But he was exceptional at the weekend, absolutely exceptional. And for me, we cannot afford to sell him till the summer. No, definitely not. I mean, I, I've probably been in the minority, but I've not seen anything that suggests that he doesn't want to be here or that he's not trying. I think, to me, uh, people know that he's going to leave in the summer. We all know that. And I think they're probably working backwards from that. And anything that he does wrong or any mistakes that he makes, <clears throat> excuse me, it's all well, his head's gone because he's going at the end of the season. Uh, for me, you know, if he if he didn't want to be here, we've seen him kick up a fuss and, you know, when he was at Brentford and refused to play, could have easily done that, I guess, again. I don't, uh, for me, he's, had, he's not had his best season, sure, but I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think he's made mistakes, you know, that Leeds game. Uh, he, he plays a bad pass. His problem's always been for me that he thinks he's better with the ball than he actually is. But in terms of the basics, heading it and kicking it and blocking people, yeah, he, he's a very good defender and he and he showed that on on Sunday. Um, you know, like we've said, a proper Burnley performance. That's proper. Everything you associate with Tarkovsky was there. I think it's very short-sighted to... to you know, a few people were saying, oh, you know, if, if the money's right, sell him to Newcastle. No. To me, again, it's the message you send, you know, mm. sell to a relegation rival. Um, you're going to strengthen them because they're really bad at the back. You know, if you look at the goal difference of us compared to the other teams that are down there, I know we've played a few less games, but ours is miles better. And it's because, although we haven't got a lot going forward defensively, we are a lot better than the other three down there, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, if we were going to weaken our defence and, and strengthen a relegation rival, it'd be a really bad move, in my opinion. Um, people say, well, Collins can come in, but the problem is, if Collins gets injured or me gets injured, do you do you want to do the rest of the season with Long at centre-half? Good player, but he's oh. not in the same match as <laughs> three for me. So, yeah, uh, I think I think he's, he's anyone who was doubting his commitment for the rest of the season, I think he's laid down a mark with that performance. You know, we might lack a bit of quality, we might not be good enough, but for me, I don't think you can question that the attitude or the desire. I think we'll have that until the end of the season, at the very least. Yeah, amen to that. Um, Rich, the other player who's been criticised quite a lot this season, scapegoat number two, 
also had a much improved performance at the Emirates, and that is, of course, Dwight McNeil, the poor lad who's been carrying the hopes and expectations of the whole of Burnley for about four seasons now. Um, looked back to himself again. He was running at players. He was a bit quicker and he, he maybe lacking, I think you said this in the thread earlier, lacking a bit of finesse at the end product. But again, same with Tarky, a much improved performance. I feel uncomfortable with the word scapegoat too. Um, to be honest, I think it's just people having an opinion to say, you know what, someone's not been very good. Mm. Um, what I would say, going back to Tarky, I think Tom did articulate it well. and Maybe the lack of effort's the wrong word. Maybe a lack of edge is the right word. When, when you're giving lazy balls away, like he did against Leeds yeah. against Southampton, that's a mentality thing. It's, yeah. oh, I'll try and play that pass. There was a couple of times yesterday Tarky could have maybe messed about with it, but he booted it in touch. And Dyke said, we need to get back to the basis. And I think he's been told. McNeil yesterday, in my opinion, it backs up my points that I've been saying. McNeil yesterday gives so much more than he's done it in a lot of games this season. And I don't get it. Maybe, maybe there's other factors in, involved in that. He looked genuinely motivated for the game. He was carrying the ball. 90-odd minutes, he was running forward, could have scored. I'm not bothered if he makes... Well, you'd have you're 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 loved him for him smash it in the bottom corner. I'm not too <laughs> bothered, mate, that he, that he misses. It's that effort, that's the intensity, that's what I want. Giving 110% for the badge. If you're giving 95% in the Premier League, you're falling short when you play for us. And, uh, and I, I still stand by, by my opinion, I know Tom disagrees with me, that he's not been given his absolute, ev- his absolute everything. And when I mean everything, I mean blood, sweat, tears, giving his absolute, I, I don't want to swear, but, you know, running his knackers off. And he was doing <laughs> that for the car. And he was running, and he did that yesterday. He was absolutely superb. That's the McNeil I want to see for the, for the rest of the season. Um, so, like I just went, you know, said before, who knows that what I finished the last pod- podcast, you know, by saying Burnley are normally at the best when they're a wounded animal. Mm. Obviously, the word transfer stung everybody. To me, it seemed to galvanise the, the, the team a little bit. In my opinion, I know we got a great point against Chelsea. I, that It's a long time since we put in that battling performance. Yeah. You know, people were closing down players. We were getting yellow cards. I love to see that. I seen Lennon, you know, getting the yellow card at the end. Some may, may say it's a bad tackle. It was a bit daft, but that's the effort and that's the intensity I want. And that's what we need to do to, to stay up this season. So, Fair play to McNeil and fair play to Tarkovsky. They were they were excellent yesterday, and and we need to see that game in game out. Now we've got I think twenty games left, twenty cup finals yeah. to save our season, but so much much better. Um, and it's given me that little bit of hope that you know what the group is together and we're going to fight till the last kick. I feel like we could just end the podcast there. To be honest, it's like what a, what a what a what a way to end it. Yeah, we're, we're done, listeners. It's fine. We kickstart our season. Um, speaking of cards, particularly of varying degrees of colour, um, it would not be a fixture against the Premier League leaders for whinging, and that would be Arsenal and their ridiculous fan base. Um, despite the Clarets now going, is it 111 games without a red card? Which is, I saw this today on on Twitter. That we are the league leaders, we're the, the record holders at the moment for not record holders, that's not true. We are the league leaders for 101 games without a red card. In second place behind us is Chelsea. Do either of you know how many games they've gone without a red card? Go on, Rich. Is it 20? Yeah. 
I think I did read it. Yeah, 20. So we are 111 games and the closest club to us is 20. That tells you all you need to know. But despite that, Burnley are, of course, a horrible physical side that need to be dumped out of the league because we're going to break somebody's leg. Westwood's tackle. Um, red card, yellow card. Who's going to come in first? Tom, you come in first. We Did we get away with one or was it a fair challenge? Yeah, it's interesting because um, in in the stadium uh, at the time, don't think anyone, home or away fans, thought that there was even a possibility that he was going to give a red card. You know, oh, okay. you get the usual whinging from the, the the Arsenal fans on the bench, but it never felt like one where they're going mad that you know that he's only giving yellow. Um, I haven't seen it back since. Um, it, it, I thought it was quite interesting. I watched Match of the Day too, um, you know, featuring yourself last night. And um, I thought it was interesting that it wasn't even like worthy of inclusion in the highlights. You know, they didn't even mention exactly. it. They didn't even show it. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only sort of controversy I've seen about it is some, you know, 12-year-old Arsenal fans on Twitter sharing a screenshot where his sort of legs hovering above, you know, his foot's hovering above his ankle or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you can you can take an out of context screenshot, and it and it can look very different to what actually happened. I haven't seen any video clips of it, and I suspect that uh, the reason for that is probably that if you watch a video of it, it's not actually that bad, and it's not a red card. So, um, yeah, Arsenal fans have got a very strange sort of persecution complex when it comes to refereeing decisions. I think I don't think they Which can is quite ironic get beyond words, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they can quite get their head around the fact that their team is a lot dirtier than ours and they'll try and sort of justify that in whatever way they can. But uh, yeah, I, I, like I say, there, uh, there's nothing that I've seen apart from a couple of grainy screenshots that suggest that it should have been anything like a red card. So I'm not too worried about that one. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I have seen it since and I, I, it's just not a red card for me at all. They're an interesting side of Arsenal. And I think one of the reasons why they infuriate me that they just... Oh God, this is such a sweeping generalisation, but they epitomise for me everything that I dislike about the Premier League. And yeah, you look at the performances yesterday, and it's like they played some very pretty football, but it was just side to side nonsense. It wasn't going anywhere, and and I think uh, you know it just this they just dive a lot and fall over, and then they whinge. And when it's done and dusted, they just there's a point blank refusal to blame anybody else but themselves, and that comes from their managers as well it's a really odd setup and then there's this sense of self-entitlement from the Arsenal fans and the whole Arsenal TV generation and it's just they've almost become a real parody of themselves so it just I'm quite glad really that this narrative about Burnley being a physical and dangerous side which seemed to be spilling over a bit at the beginning of the season has been you know cut out a little bit and and I would have been really annoyed if we'd have lost that red card record away at Arsenal that would have irritated me um what did you think? One of the things that was obviously missing, um, Rich, and I think this is probably where AFCON has, has, has ended up messing with us a little bit because of the poorness of Arsenal's performance and the lack of any intensity or willingness to, to break down our defence. You kind of feel like with either Wood and or Kone in that side, we could have turned that point into a really viable away win. Um for all the graft and the hard work they've done, a front two of Jay and Vidra just doesn't quite 
have the killer instinct, does it, that we need to start I scoring? I think we'd have lost 2-1 if Wood played yesterday, to be honest. Um, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with would this? That, would that slow? We wouldn't have been able to press anyone. Um, <laughs> I seen a, I seen a Newcastle fan call him an, ar- an army tank because he turns that slowly Excellent. on Twitter the other day. Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to back Wood now because um, I'm allowed to because nobody on the podcast can call me anymore for true. having a go. Listen, I, I, I thought Jay and Vidra were, were excellent. I thought they were both fantastic. They you know, this is the one thing I'll I'll say about Wood is that they were feeding on scrap. You know that he has, yeah. you know that he's not had loads of service. Uh, he's missed some big chances, and Jay and Jay and uh, Vidra didn't really have anything. But I thought they ran the channels well. I think they linked up when they called them. I remember there was a one-two between Jay and McNeil when uh, McNeil went down the wing. There was a lovely little bit of movement where Vidra did like a little bit of a sidestep touch and released Roberts mm-hmm. with a lovely free ball, but but put a poor cross in. Um, my opinion is our midfield poor going forward. Yeah. We've got no pace in midfield. We've got no mid- midfielders who can break the line. I've said it before about Westwood and Brown. Who are, you know, you gotta, you can't knock them because they give absolutely everything. But the, they've, they've got like no ball manipulation in tight areas to counter. And I think the last 10 minutes, um, you're seeing it. We've got a lot of opportunities to counter it. Maybe that's where you, you can question McNeil's decision-making. He went to shoot on a couple of occasions instead of playing the ball across goal, especially once uh, when it went over the bar for a goal kick. We're, 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 we're crying out for creativity in the midfield area. Um, I think if we play like that yesterday, we'll pick up points because we could nick games 1-0 too. Um, and obviously, Carney is going to come back. It just massive. I know we're going to lead into it. It's just a massive week in the transfer yeah. window, isn't it? Um, you know, we've been linked with good players, but like you said, you you know, you, you're just lacking that pace when you want to break quickly. This is the reason why a team like Palace is, I don't know how many points they're ahead of us, you know, maybe 10, 11 points might be a little bit more. It's because they're going to come, you know, they're going to be, there's times when they're going to be under pressure. But then when you've got players like Elise, MacArthur, who can manipulate the ball, Will Hughes, who can man, man, manipulate the ball, then you then you can pass it to Elise, you can pass it to Zaha. You've got pace up front with players like Edward. Um, and Conor Gallagher obviously has been a great signing um, you know this, you're seeing the goal they scored against Brighton which is a fantastically well worked goal and that's a, that's why we're currently bottom of the league and in a big way is in my opinion because of our midfield um, it's a broken record isn't it I think we're Burnley yeah. fans we keep talking about it but that's we're, we're, we're massively desperate um, of that and on another day you know we could have maybe done it on the counter attack but that's something Dice has said Hasn't it? You know, there's been too many times this season where we've either missed key chances or the final pass has been poor, and that's very, very difficult for the manager to change that when, when that's the players you've got, when when that's the, uh, the card you dealt with. So, it's going to be interesting if we do address that. Let's jump straight into that then, and because I, I think there, there isn't really anything else from the Arsenal game that I wanted to cover. We've covered most of the, the topics. Obviously, we, we've noted what a fantastic point it was and a great performance. But as Rich has just massively highlighted there, Tom, we are in now a season-defining week. Um, we're not even kicking a ball of football. We have got less than seven days to bring in, at a minimum, a centre-forward, a central midfielder and a creative midfielder. A uh, creative midfielder is a minimum. I'm going to say yes. Some people might say just the midfielder and the 
centre forward on minimum. We have had all sorts of rumblings. Um, and I think, as one of you said before the game started, I think it was Rich, we seem to be flicking between um, players who just don't want to come to us because they're, they're based on the like just Europa League level players and grafters like Andy Carroll who have got no resale value and are not going to improve the side hugely but will get us through the season so I guess let's start with that rather than specific positions Tom where where does your head and your heart sit with regards to the kind of player we need to be trying to sign which side of the camp do you sit on are you are you resale value and investment or are you just get us what we need to survive this season I think obviously the priority is what we need to survive this season, but there's no reason that they can't be mutually exclusive. You know, I mean, you look mm -hmm. at Corney, he's a, a massive improvement on what we had, and but he's also going to get us probably double what we paid for him when we sell him. So um, I, I think the, the main thing that I think we're seeing from this window, as opposed to previous windows, is that the net's being spread a lot wider. So, you know, in previous years, it would have been like, oh, there's no rumours or interest or, all, uh, you know, window. And then you'll get Andy Carroll on a free on the 31st. Now, it might end up being Andy Carroll on a free on the 31st. But I think the fact that we're going in for different players, we're looking at different leagues, we're making bids, um, whether it's just a, a, a case of it being a bit more publicised or more stuff getting leaked with pace, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. That they, you know, they're, they're making the noises and, they, and they're wanting fans to to see that they are doing things behind the scenes. But I, I think personally, it looks as if we've got a bit more now in terms of. So I, I think Aaron, I'll use Aaron Ramsey as an example. Yeah. So it is that's going to be really difficult to do, obviously, for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, even if we were in mid table, I think we'd be doing well to get Aaron Ramsey, and obviously the position that we're in. The fact that he's on loads of money at Juventus, the fact that they're going to be, you'd think, bigger and better clubs who'd be interested. You look at that on paper and you go, well, there's no chance of that. Why are they wasting time with that? But like I said, there's nothing that stops you bidding for Aaron Ramsey and Andy Carroll at the same time. Now, I wasn't expecting us to get much done before the deadline day because we're always waiting. And it's always the reason we do our business late is because we're waiting for other teams with bigger budgets to come in. And, and sweep in and, and that's just how it is with our budget and, and the way our club is but if we get to deadline day and you know we haven't got a striker or a number 10 or whatever over the line maybe just maybe he's knowing as an example he's not getting games for Juventus he wants to play for Wales they've got a chance of being at the World Cup in uh, in December get some games under your belt get fitness Maybe if nobody else comes in for him, because I read that he's, he he'd prefer to go to Crystal Palace and they're not interested. Mm -hmm. So let's maybe, just maybe, you know, you're around you on the 31st. You're thinking, well, I'm kicking my ears here in Turin for the next five months. Do you know what? I'm just going to go to Burnley and I'm going to I'm going to get a few months worth of games. And if they go down, it doesn't matter to me because I'm gone. You know, it, it's a it, it's a remote possibility for sure because I'd imagine that a better team will come in in the interim, but. Why not have that iron in the fire? You can keep Andy Carroll on the ice and then say if the Ramsey deal does fall through, if someone else comes in, you can come in and get Andy Carroll. To me, at least that's better planning than than what we were doing before. You've got a bit of ambition there. You've got the idea to bring in someone who is better than what you've already got. But at the same time, you know, there's a backup plan there, perhaps if it falls through. Uh, to, yeah, to me, there, there seems to be a bit more joined up thinking. And I think probably the, the, the way we'll be thinking as about it is we'll try and get someone who ticks all the boxes you know 
uh, resale value and or improves the team. And then if it does get to the point where we need stop gaps, I'd be a bit more confident that we've identified people in each category and we've got things in place to, to get someone in each category than we have perhaps in previous windows. So to me, the noise is coming out. They do seem a little bit haphazard, but maybe that's the, the thinking behind it. Um, I know people are getting worried that we're this far into the window and not on anybody, but not many clubs have. I mean, even Newcastle, you know, they've got money to burn and they've only got two players over the line and one was only because of the release clause. Um, so, you know, it's not as easy as it seems. I was always expecting it to, to go to the wire and I will, I will judge it after that. But you're right. If we don't get two or three in, I think uh, I w- just wanted to make a, a bit of a point. Obviously, with the Arsenal game, nil-nil was a good result and we played really well, but we've had results like that earlier this season. It reminded me very much of the Wolves game. Nil-nil, doggy performance, good point. But then the next game is Newcastle away. It's a six-pointer and we don't see enough and we lose. So it's no good going to Arsenal, putting in a battling performance during nil-nil if we don't, don't turn up for the Watford game. And I think everyone can see from the performances and the game on Saturday was a good example. If we don't get these these reinforcements up top, if we don't get some creativity, if we don't add something in midfield, if we don't get another striker, then we really are going to struggle. But I'll wait. I'll wait until the window's short before I, I, you know, uh, gets too panicky or, or judge. Definitely. Uh, I felt like that was some letting off some steam there, Tom. It felt like there was some, some built-up points that you wanted to make there. I loved it. Um, Rich, there's been some names that we're just not used to seeing connected, as, as Tom just literally talked on there. Out of, obviously, we lost... Oh, God, I'm going to try and pronounce these names and I'm going to embarrass myself here. So is it Asmoon? Sardar Asmoon? As, is that how you pronounce it? The guy who went to Leverkusen instead of coming to us. That was a whirlwind 12 hours where we thought we were getting a really impressive signing and he went to Leverkusen instead. We've had um, Orsic, Mislo Orch, is that how you pronounce that? Uh, he's a winger at, is it Dynamo Zagreb? Zagretz? Honestly, listeners, you can laugh at me all you want. My pronunciation of names is so bad, but give me some credit, I'm trying. Um, he's a very exciting prospect, but apparently Alex James was reporting in, in Lancashire Live that him and Fafana... Yeah, the, the, the boys are nodding their heads at me, listeners. This is this is great. Um, they're supposed to be both more summer um, targets rather than January. A couple more closer to home. Jack Fitzwater from Livingstone's been touted and Steve Mooney from Huddersfield, a strike as well, have also got in the press today, as well as the never-ending signing um, news, sorry, signing rumours about Andy Carroll. Is there anything in that, Rich, that excites you? Is there anything from that that makes you think that we're going for realistic targets, as Tom just mentioned? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it excites me. But it's like me going on Instagram and asking Rita Alba for a, for a, for a date, and it? it's just not going to happen. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a little bit in... I'm really torn on this. I'm, I'm very... I, I, I am quite cynical sometimes. Um, are we just putting these rumours out in the press to make it look like we're actually trying. But on the flip side of that, we actually got Carne in. So it's like, this, this is where it's a little bit difficult. You know, you, you, you see these names linked, it's like Fafana's linked, and then you're like, well, he's been the best midfielder in France and he's probably going to go to a top six club. And then it's like, Orsic has been like one of the like outstanding for Zagreb and Tottenham and Arsenal have been linked with him and West Ham. Oh, sorry, I think he's got a hat-trick against Tottenham. And like Arsenal and West Ham have been linked with him, and you're like, 
it's re- it is a, a, exciting, you know, and, and you see that Amzoom on and obviously like it, Friday morning it comes out and you think, all right, this could be one that happens and next minute he's uh, holding a Leverkusen shirt, isn't it? So, um, and then it comes back to the, you know, the Steve the Steve Mooney's come in um, and, and you're like, Jesus, there's, what, are we down to like list W and list X on, on the target list? If, if there's a healthy amount of cynicism, I think, here. Um, that's just the reality of it, isn't it? And for no, and there's, and I fully, at one point Tom made, which which I said to you off air, Natalie, was that Newcastle's got, you know, all all this money and they're yeah. struggling. They've, they've, they've signed Trippier, which seems to be uh, um, teed up for a while. They signed Wood just simply because they met a release clause. So there's nothing anybody can do if, if the player wants to go. And it, it, January is difficult. It seems there's not a lot of strikers out there. Um, with Corney coming in, I could almost cope with us getting two real quality midfielders because I think maybe then with Carroll there's another option in the squad. Um, That's interesting. But then it's difficult because then you're like, well, Corney's on a natural striker and at some point you're going to think that this trend of him scoring world is he's going to stale off a little bit and, and you're going, and then you're missing a proper number nine and you know, you've got three lads in the squad who's not scored a, a lot of goals and Vids has obviously... Um, struggle with a hernia. I I personally really like Vidra as a footballer, but he's not mm. a, a natural goal scorer, which is Wood wasn't a good footballer really, but he could find the net when he was in form. So yeah, I you know Tom's talked a lot of sense. Uh, um, you've got you've you know you've got to wait till the end of the window. I think the, similar to what it was last time, we signed Collins way in advance, which seemed a pretty easy deal to do, but. I think Carney and Roberts come in in the last two or three days and the rumours started about Barkley and seemed like we could have done a deal there. So I think it'll really go down to the last two, three days of the window. Yeah. I remember a manager said a couple of years ago, they might as well just have the January transfer window for a week because because there's just so much wasted time. And yeah, I think players Focuses might... people's minds. Yeah, and then I think what's been difficult is because of the COVID situation being so right, in January, teams are not going to want to let players go on on loan. Mm, that's uh, a really good maybe, point, actually. May, maybe from from some of the bigger clubs, that may that may change as the COVID settles down and you want to get the players out. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really interesting few days. I was hoping there was going to be a, a you know a few, you know a bit of news today, but it, it's been really quiet on the on the transfer front. So yeah, I think everyone's just trying to stay patient. But I think we're just waiting for that tweet, aren't we, from someone to say. Or you know Burnley's agreed, you know agreed a medical and a player's coming, and because at the moment it oh. seems uh, it seems we're doing a lot of fi- a lot of fishing, uh, but we're not getting anything on the end of the line. Yeah, well, I think one point that I know, Rich, you particularly feel very passionate about, so I am going to drag us down this path because I think it's something that we need to explore. Um, we can't ignore the news reports that have been around for the past couple of well probably for the last week I think um with some quite heavy suggestions that Pace and ALK don't have the ability to make these signings because there's no money there there's concerns over the structure of the club and the structure of the leverage buyout that was done um just to give you a little bit of a break because I know you've got some strong views on this Rich I'm going to come to Tom first um I know where I stand on these Tom and I don't I tend to try and well, I tend to refuse to give an awful lot of airtime to headlines that I see in the likes of The Sun and The Daily Mail. But Rich kind of 
I can see Richard's concern here that we are getting these leaked reports in the press about our financial situation. And that coupled with us as yet unsuccessful transfer window, is it fair to say that fans are panicking a little bit or worried in any way? Where do you sit with this? Um, I don't think it's baseless to be at least a little bit worried about the financial situation of the club compared to what it was a year ago, because a year ago we didn't have any debt and now we have got debt. Um, and obviously the, the model that's been used to buy us um, isn't a good thing. You wouldn't want that whatever happens. So there's no, there's no sense pretending that that isn't something that would concern anybody. Um, but I don't think it's a, there's any reason for an immediate panic. I think uh, I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I didn't want it to happen because I think ultimately a change was needed at the top. Obviously, if we could have got someone who's worth a billion pound and, and money was no object to take us over, then that would have been brilliant, but it wasn't happening. So we had to say what we could get. And I think what we get, uh, we've got debt on the club now, of course, um, which isn't an ideal situation, but the situation before is that we had a load of money in the bank sat doing nothing and it was never going to be used to do anything apart from, you know, it seems by the club. So in in that sense, you know, I, I, I think what, what we really needed was new owners who were going to do things in a different way, take the club in a different direction. And that's what we got for better or worse. So if, you know, if, if we do get relegated and um, then I think we're going to find it harder to come back up than if we hadn't had the takeover perhaps, because we're going to need to, be mindful of the debt that we've got. We might have to sell one more player than we would have done otherwise, something like that. But I think there's probably an argument to be made that we've probably have maybe hung on to one or two players for a bit too long. A club of our size, um, you know, selling players at the right time has got to be probably part of the, the mindset. You think, you know, you look at what we did with Gray, double the money on him after a couple of years. We've got great money for Michael Keane. You know, maybe there's an argument that two years ago when we were in a better position on the pitch and financially off the pitch, maybe then we could have cashed in on someone like Tarkovsky or Pope, got got a good bit of money for them and then re reinvested it had we done that wisely, you know. So the, I don't think it's necessarily the word, you know, the fact that they put in the, you know, in that Sun report that all the players are up for sale at the right price. I don't think that's ever not been the case, has it? So I think things like that are probably just alarmist, you know, uh, putting little things like that just to, to go over the top a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anyone's got, you know, uh, baseless concerns. But at the same time, I think if you look at the majority of football clubs in, in the league, have got at least a certain amount of debt. I don't think we've got an amount of debt that, you know, if we get relegated, then that's it. The club's going into liquidation. You know, you're probably going to have to sell a few players. But, you know, if we get relegated, we're going to have to sell a few players anyway. Um, will it? hinder our ability to come back up a little bit maybe financially it will but then on on the flip side are we have we got owners now that are gonna <clears throat> like i say ex, uh, expand the net as to where players we're looking for <clears throat> are we gonna have more chance to buy better players stretching the finances a little bit and then more importantly getting more value for money in different markets so swings and roundabouts for me and uh i'm not too worried about it uh you know uh it is what it is. If we get relegated, we would have got relegated with Mike Garlic in charge and Dyche would have left as well. So if we do get relegated, I think we'll keep Dyche and uh, it'll be an interesting window. So, you know, may, maybe in a, a few years down the line, we'll regret it. But I think a lot of it will come down to what's on the pitch, not off the pitch. And I don't think we're in a much worse situation than we would have been otherwise. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm quite tranquil about it all at the minute.
Yeah. Um, Rich, I know this is something that you've been playing, paying quite close attention to. And actually out of all of, of the Non and Never team, you've probably been our expert on this because you've been paying much more attention much more close attention to this than maybe the rest of us have and I think one of the points that you've talked about is whether or not Alan Pace has earned yet some what seems just unwavering amount of loyalty and trust without actually having to prove that yet yeah I've I've been listening to Tom again talk really well about I've been really trying to consider my, my points both positive and you know and and I won't say negative but con- concerns about yeah. the whole situation my opinion is um obviously reports have come out in the sun and the daily mail which I wouldn't normally put attention to but there's been rumors by you know um well there's been articles and concerns by uh, more reputable journalists uh, you know from the from the athletic and on the financial uh, you know s- side of it who have raised their concerns um, my my particular worry isn't the here and now or in the next two or three years. I think if we look at it, we have had a lot of hope on this podcast. I still think we're we've got a we have got a very good chance of getting relegated. Mm. We're going to get I think parachute payments last for three years. We've still got sellable assets, but what happens five six? I know this is a quite a, a negative viewpoint, but I want to try and be realistic too. Uh, because it's happened to a lot of clubs. What happens five, six years' time when we're, when we're not in the Premier League, if we're not in the Premier League, we don't have parachute payments, we've not got big money players to, to sell anymore, we don't have a lot of it, rev, um, income coming through the commercial side of the club or from the fan base. I don't understand where Alan Pace and ALK are going to pay this debt from. I know they're looking for other outside investors, which may help, but if we're paying... I think it's eight million or so on debt. I don't understand how we're, we're genuinely going to pay this off. Me and Tom, you know, Tom's hometown is Derby. They pushed the golden ticket to try and get to the Premier League, and, and it didn't work. My hometown's Wigan. Um, slightly different situation there, but the devastation that it causes to communities, to jobs, to livelihoods, and I don't understand how people are just putting absolute blind faith into a man who we know very very little about he's quite a mysterious man in my opinion I think he talks a good game but I think anybody can come on camera and and, and, and say what people want to hear Tom made a point there which is correct that you know we were going nowhere under garlic but I think garlic was that bad that Pace took over and all of a sudden he's the new Jesus he's the new Messiah yeah. and we don't really know a lot about him he's got no money Real, he's, he he don't own a business. He doesn't he doesn't have any money himself. At least Garlic actually had a business. He didn't have a lot of money in football terms, but he had his own money. As did Kilby. We have no idea where ALK Capital's money's coming from, where Alan Pace's money's coming from. No one's been able to tell that. I know he's got a, a legal agreement with John with John B and Mike Garlic about the actual in interest. Uh, I'm not going to try and say that word about the actual finer points of the detail or of the deal of the deal, but every he released a statement by saying last week, oh yeah, don't worry about it, everything's fine, the club's fine, we're going to pay off the debt, and everyone's like, oh Alan Pace has said this, this and that you know, we've got nothing mm-hmm. to worry about, he's actually not said anything <laughs> if somebody who was accused of murder just come out and said, you know what, I didn't I didn't do it I wasn't guilty <laughs> you wouldn't fully believe them, would you? So I don't understand why everybody, is not everybody, there's a lot of fans that 
seem to just have this blind this, this blind faith. I hope that we ride off into an American sunset and this and, and what we do really works and we're really successful and we buy into this this obviously model he's got about these analytics and everything like that. Um, and we stay in the Premier League this season. I think if we stay in the Premier League, we'll be fine because of the way the leverage buyout is. If you're successful, because we're paying interest back off our own club's account, it'll make the club wealthier. But if we're not getting income in, it'll make the club poorer. So my worry's not for now, it's for years, yeah. even five, maybe even 10 years down the line. And, 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 I, and I think the possibility of what of the worst could, could happen, I think it's so shocking of us always being in a situation like Derby, people just don't actually want to confront that because it is so bad. Um, but we are we are a long way away from that, though, Rich. That's potentially yeah. And, so maybe that's part of it. But football's not. But football is long term. You know, I'm 28. My dad's 63. I want it when I have children. For people, it's because I care so much about Burnley. Mm. I, I want to be able to take my children and my and my grandchildren to watch Burnley. I know we're getting a bit exaggerated about it. After watching Burnley in League One and League Two in the National League, you know, I'm not really. Too, if we're in the Premier League for the next 30, 40 years, great. But my con- my concerns not now. We're just nobody can answer that question of what happens if we go down and parachute payments run out in the next five to ten years. I don't understand where the money's going to come from. But how's how's that different though? From you know, and the answer to this isn't but because of the debt. If we if ALK and it is, but no, you can't. if if all it does is it shortens the length. If if Garlic hadn't have sold to Pace and ALK, fine, we'd have had some money in the bank as a buffer, but that would have been used up very, very quickly to pay that plug that gap in the income. So maybe only maybe it takes a year longer, but we're still in that situation with garlic at the helm where the club's got no money, it's still got operating costs to do it with no yeah. income and no parachute payments. But we've got garlic at the helm who's got no way of getting out of it. So I wonder whether, and I, this I'm just offering this as, as a suggestion, I wonder whether that optimistic approach about pace is because there is an acceptance that whilst the end result may not be any different to what garlic would have been under his watch, at least we have somebody that's got more creativity, more contacts, and more commercial nouns about them that can actually try and generate something that might see us improve. I wonder whether that's where that optimism comes from. It Definitely. is for And he's done a lot of good. Um, 90% of what, of, of what he's done so far has been massively positive. You go around the stadium, he's had a lick of pain. We've had the Burnley women's team. I know Natalie... Obviously, that, that's fantastic for you. I know we have a lot of female supporters who I'm sure that's a huge, huge uh, thing yeah, for. We, you know, and ultimately, last summer transfer window, we did really well. So I really, honestly, like, I don't want to come across like I'm anti-Pace because I'm not. No, you're um, not doing it. You're not at all. And I genuinely think he's a good guy and I think his heart's in the right place. But just because your heart's in the right place doesn't mean that it's necessarily gonna, going to work. And, you know, these... You know what? All these articles that every single journalist has put out could be nonsense, yeah. but there's normally a little bit of smoke. Yeah. So, you know, there's normally a little bit of smoke with the fire, and you know, some my I'm not going to say who it, who it was, but somebody who quite in the know said, if Burnley's in the Premier League or kind of a bit of a yo-yo team, the club will be absolutely fine. But it, but there is a real worry if we get stagnated in the Championship about what's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but listen, let, let, let's just try and, you know, focus on, you know, the next seven days, you know, 
six days obviously after today are absolutely huge. Uh, I think if we get two or three good players in, I, I, I think it gives us a real chance. I think if we don't, I think we're still going to really struggle. Um, but, but yeah, like I said, the, the, the main priority is the next you know, few months of the season. Good. Well, I think I think that leads us on to quite a good opportunity, Rich. I'm going to task you with being our expert on ALK and Pace and the financial model at the club. Um, if you can keep an eye on that for us, um, we will come back to you at some point in the season if there are any further, if that smoke gets a little bit thicker or there are more reports doing, then do keep an eye on us for that because we will be uh, calling on you to try and uh, do it. But I think, honestly, Rich, I think I think the, the angle that you've come at that in this blind faith in a man we don't know anything about or didn't know anything never heard of him 12 months ago however you know 14 months ago is a really valid point and I think maybe it's time that we reassess this at the end of this transfer window and see what what the fans view is then so that's gonna be on your shoulders that's your role for the the rest of the the season is to keep an eye on that uh, Rich that you can be our you can be our finance reporter um a very quick one then before we leave um Rich we are got a winter break now hilariously even though we've not played football for about 25 weeks we're going to a winter break I've got no idea what the team's plans are for going away anywhere or staying or what we're going to do um but our next game is quite frankly a huge one because we are playing a home tie against Watford um no Dennis after he spectacularly got himself sent off which was very great of him but on the flip side we don't have Josh Brownhill and we probably won't have Corny back then either Watford of today sacked Ranieri because that's what they do best. Um, so there is going to be somebody else in the dugout for that. What's your what do you, if you're Daesh, what's your approach to that Watford game? How do you drown out the noise and the pressure that's coming around that fixture and get the best out of that squad? Yeah, you know, firstly you made a couple of good points. Uh, I think Dennis is a huge miss for them. I don't know if you watched the Watford Norwich game, Natalie, but Watford were comfortably, yeah. for me, the better team in the first half. They actually looked yeah. a class above Norwich. And Dennis was at the was at the fourth, you know, was at the forefront of that. And he seemed to he seems to have lost his head a little bit since the other um since Nigeria accused yeah. Watford of firing fans. I didn't have I thought that was some legal term. I think it's just some jargon that the Nigerian <laughs> FA have seemed to pull out. I was I was looking it up for some kind of like legal obligation. It just seems like it's it a great saying. Um I think unless can't Ivory Coast get to the final. I think Carney will be available. Yeah, I think so too. Actually, so I've just been looking fingers, at that. You know, I know we don't say it, but fingers crossed Salah gets an hat-trick on Wednesday. Um, but listen, Dyke, we've, we've got to go all out to win. Yeah. Um, like Tom, Tom made a great point. We've had some really good results this season. You know, we drew away at Wolves, we were flying, got a great point at Chelsea. Um, you know, and we need to, you know, we need we need to get to more rocking. You know, this is another lo- loads of people have said on Twitter. Let's get cheap tickets for that game. Yes. I'm not bothered. You know, you'll get the odd fan who'll be like, well, I pay X amount for my season ticket. Why should nope. an on Happily, happily subsidise that. Yeah. You know, a five or whatever. You know, just get people in the Give ground. Give them for free. Get, to, get in. Yeah, get to, you know, we're talking about, get to, you know, we've been down on attendances this season. I know there's different factors, the COVID, etc. But get the crowd in. Saturday nights under under the lights at, at Turf Moor. Oh. We've got to go full blooded Adam. We will miss Brownell um, in, because I think Brownell gives us a lot of energy, but he don't give us actually like real quality on the ball. Who knows? We may have a central midfielder. We may have a couple of new signings with Carney back. Imagine if we have a couple of new signings with Carney back. 
what a lift that would give yeah, the, the, the feel of the stadium. It would give everybody a massive, a massive, massive lift. So I think it's the biggest game I can remember for a long, long time. I know we had some big games last season, but I felt we was always just a little bit above the bottom three that they weren't as big as this one. It's an absolute huge game. And, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, a, a loss would be absolutely heartbreaking. And that I wouldn't want to be on Twitter that Saturday night, but a I'm win would on. leave us. No, a win would, would, would leave us in a really good position with those games in hand. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tom, sorry, I did actually mean to come to you first and then I didn't. I got I was I was swept away by Richard's uh, monologues about pace and I was I was on a, I was on a Richard Steele train going west. Uh, so sorry, I should brought you in then. Um, the point I extract from Richard's comments there is that to go an all out attack and to be really positive from the outset, not something that we see a lot of from a dash side. And we have seen it before in a relegation uh, battle or a six pointer where there's some nervousness and he's gone defensive and he's tried to keep it a tight game and not lose it by getting caught on on the counter and things like that if there's one game that dash has to just go out there this is it surely do you think he can do it do you think he can push them i think there's more than one way to skin a cat you know i think we'd we'd be better served to, to play <laughs> <Wow>. to <our laughs> well you know and and for me like the, what we're good at is defending so I mean, Rich made the point, you know, that Norwich-Watford game, Watford were the better team in the first half and, and added it and they lost 3-0. So if we yeah. go in at 0-0, then, you know, uh, let's not worry. Let's worry about what the score is at the full time. It's like with this transfer window. We've not signed anyone on the 21st, but wait until the, uh, you know, the 31st and we'll see how we are. So I, I, I don't, I'd, I'd be a bit nervous if we come out all guns blazing and started pushing everybody forward because that's when our midfield looks vulnerable to the counter-attack. So, you know, if we if we keep it tight, then that won't be the worst thing in the world. I think the big thing with the approach will be what's the squad going to look like then? Because the, the problem, I suppose, to keeping it tight is you saw, I think, for both sides on Sunday, there was nothing on the bench to bring on. So if you get 70 minutes since nil-nil, what's the plan B? Now, if we, if we can bring on old Andy Carroll for the last 20 minutes, that might be a good plan. Or if we get a little nippy French winger or somebody, then, uh, you know, that, that'll be a good option. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very much going to depend on what the squad looks like then. But for me, yeah, I, you know, I don't, we don't necessarily need to go out and slap them about 4-0 and be 3-0 up in the first 10 minutes. We, we need to play to our strengths, need to keep calm. And, you know, however we do it, the result is the most important thing. But we can't be drawing that game. We can't be losing that game. It is a must, must win. Excellent. And I'm going to leave it on that. Um, listeners, how do you feel about Watford? We've got a couple of weeks now to build up to this game. Let's not get too scared. Let's not lose ourselves. But we're really interested to hear what you guys think. Um, how do you juggle the squad with, with Brownhill being out? You know, Do you think there's such a thing as a new manager bounce? I don't think there is. I think it's been proven that there isn't one, but obviously there's a concern there. Um, how wonderful a piece of karma would it be if we end up playing this rearranged fixture and Corner plays and Dennis doesn't after some of the tactics that Watford adopted back in uh, in December. That would be something, wouldn't it? Um, let us know how you're feeling ahead of this Watford game. You know how to get in touch with us. You can tweet us at none and ever. 
you can leave a comment on our Facebook page or you can email us at podcast at nonanever.net. My thanks as ever go to everybody who's contributed to making this podcast from my first and foremost to Rich and Tom for giving up their evening and giving such valuable insight into everything that's going on um, to producer Matt for editing this and um, getting it out there to our musician whose name I always forget who gives us our music royalty free. I'm so, so sorry. Thank you anyway. And the wonderful producer Matt will credit you in our socials. Um, but last, last and not by no means least, you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Uh, Dave and I will be back um, the Friday before the Watford game to give you the next episode of the preview show. And we will look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of others. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.